Welcome to Cloudlandia. Welcome to Cloudlandia. Ah, you have a very resonant voice to the, this morning. <clears throat> well, you know what I did? I, I came in on the app today, and so we'll see. And remember last week, we had some intermittent disruption. So to try this this week, maybe it's a different uh, level of unpredictable of variety. I, I call yeah, it unpredictable variety. That's right. We roll with it. And yeah. And there we go. Yeah. So everybody wants to know, Dan, how is the $6 million man doing with his bionic pretty good. knees here? Yeah? Yeah, pretty good. So we were talking on a Sunday, and just the past Thursday was two weeks. And, you know, I got to figure in the placebo factor here, and I think I mentioned this last time, that when you have a pain and you don't have any solution for it, you try to avoid the pain. And so <laughs> you kind of a you kind of a, a focus on it. You rearrange your posture and your body to avoid the pain. Yes. But since I had the stem cell injection, um, I came back and the pain didn't seem any different, but it, I was confident about it that I now had a pain that in... According to prediction, in six months, I won't have the pain. And so I'm not avoiding the pain. And I'm, you know, I'm walking downstairs without holding out to the rail and just depending on my leg. But I will oh say my. in the last two or three three days, I've, I, I have noticed an improvement. So wow. that I'm getting from, you know, we have top to bottom. We, in some cases, I'm going two flights. Yes, right. And and uh, yeah, so I I told Dr. Hasse, David Hasse, who's uh, mm -hmm. in the free zone with us because he's the arranger for all this. Anything else I do, I go through his clinic. So he he's the one who arranged everything in Buenos Aires. Yes. And I tell him I said I'm I'm naturally a self-producer of placebos. You know, I said <laughs> I think it's part of my part, I think it's part of my character. I and I said, actually, isn't strategic coach, isn't that what strategic coach is, producing your own placebos? Yeah. That's the best. So, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all friend. But I will tell you this. We had three different treatments. I did, and Babs had a fourth one. So Babs had a big toe, inflamed bones in her big toe. Mm -hmm. And the pain is way, way down after two weeks. And wow. both of us had vascular IVs, so this is where the stem cells are put. You know, it's an IV, so it goes in yeah, over so a period of about uh, forty minutes. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't an, an injection. injection, right, right, right. But if these stem cells are geared just to your vascular system, so just the, you know the veins, essentially. And so I feel quite a bit more energy. And again, I'm not discounting the placebo effect. And the third, the third thing that I did, Babs did vascular too, and I did brain cells. So these, what they do is they put lymphocytes in on day one, and then on day three, they give you a IV for the, for your brain cells. And the lymphocytes, I don't exactly understand what they are. Okay. I know they're neither Republican or Democrat. I do know that. They're, <laughs> they're NDP, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know they don't have a political characteristic about them. But what they do is they actually create uh, pathways through what's called the blood-brain barrier. Okay, mm -hmm. and what I understand is, is that the brain is very protective of itself. So it doesn't allow any foreign thing to come into the brain, but it'll accept lymphocytes. And they're just little, they're kind of temporary pathways, and they die after about a week or two. But what happens then is the stem cells that are geared to your brain can go through those pathways. And, and I'm doing a program called Neuropotential, which is a biofeedback program. And I did session 30, 29 and 30. I've been doing it for about a year. And what it tests you on is when you're watching a movie, 
And mm-hmm. I picked a favorite movie, which was Foyle's War, a British detective, homicide detective series, a long time ago, 15 years ago. Very intriguing, very good acting. And so I went Saturday ago, and I did it. And usually what happens during the course of the session, you're watching the you're watching the screen, and then all of a sudden, the screen will go black, the sound will go out, but the movie goes on, and your brain notices this, and it readjusts itself so that the screen comes back, and the sound comes back. And normally, during a session, it'll happen four or five times, and there's nothing you can do. All you do is the brain just adjusts itself, and that adjustments are actually making improvements to how your brain operates. And I've been doing it. And my EEG tests, which are a battery of um, screen tests um, that I do every quarter, indicate that my brain has improved uh, quite a bit over the last year. But this session, the first time, now I'm talking about a week ago, Saturday, not once during the entire movie did uh, the screen blackout and or the sound go out and wow. that was the first time it ever happened and the technician they have technicians there who you know they they put your sensors on your brain and then they you know they're there all the time and she said i've never seen that before she said i've never seen it. certainly haven't seen it with you but she's i've never seen it with anyone and wow um, do you think it's related? These, these people are these train these people are trained not to be enthusiastic. And they're just do you there. Think it's they're, related to your to the stem cells, or yeah, well, it's the only thing that's changed. It's it's, it's got to be I mean, uh, right. Yeah, it's got to be. And then she upped the difficulty. So when I do it fairly easily, she'll up the difficulty. And the mm-hmm. and uh, yesterday I went, and it sound went out three times, but the, the screen did not go black. And and she said, that's amazing, because she said, you're even stronger this week than you were last week. And that was a real breakthrough week. So I think wow. that uh, that's a, and this is the only thing where I have an outside reference point that's testing. Mm-hmm. Me, so, yeah. So but my energy has been real good from the overall. But I think the big thing is that I am now convinced this specifically from this stem cell thing that we're going through and also other things that I've been doing for the past year, that now anything in the body, if it can be diagnosed, if there's something off, if something's Mm -hmm. not performing right, something's not working, period, or worse than that, it's something wrong is happening. I now am convinced that if it can be diagnosed, it can be repaired and it can be Mm -hmm. regenerated. So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. And, and I've been, and I've been going on, I've been going on faith for the last 36 years in this regard. That this would come. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at, I heard Joe Rogan had, uh, well, he always has all kinds of interesting people, but he had um, Gary Brecka on. Mm. I I don't know him. No. Well, he's got an interesting story. I don't, I mean, you know, like anything, when you hear him on, you know, he kind of breaks into the scene. He's the guy that kind of turned Dana White around. Dana's lost all kinds of weight and reversed his. Oh yeah, his yeah I know Dana age. White. He's the yeah. He's the MMA. ultra fighting. The ultra That's fighting. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. The U.S. and so he. This guy's background was as a. I don't know what the right word for what he did, but it was some sort of for insurance companies, they would predict your lifespan. So it was like advanced. What do they call that in insurance? Mortality rate? Guessing yeah, it's the, the actuarial rate. Of the, yeah, yeah. Um, so actuarial, I guess, mm-hmm. would be kind of based on statistical groups kind of Mm -hmm. thing and what they do is this is based on records on your on measuring like genetic markers and and blood work and they Mm -hmm. can predict he says within you know months of somebody's life expectancy 
and mm-hmm. very interesting, right? So Dana came in and he had, you know, very elevated triglycerides and, you know, certain other markers that were really kind of degenerative and he's 53 years old and his, they marked his life expectancy at 63.6 or something like that. And it was mm-hmm. really like an eye opener for him to, to see that, have that sort of, you know, mortality check on what you're, what's going on in your body. And he basically says, all these things are, you know, they're starting to give out years and years before they're actually mm-hmm. the end of them. Yeah. So it's not a, a mystery kind of thing. It's just that way, you know? And so he's, you know, done all the things that he recommended and he's already added like, you know, 12 years to his life expectancy mm-hmm. already. And that it's kind of, I think when you're right, that we're at a stage where we're started learning all the repair models of things that, yeah, to yeah. be able to, uh, to regenerate. I'm still amazed that even the fact that DNA exists, like how do you even tune into mm-hmm. something like that, right? Like how did somebody even mm-hmm. discover that's a thing? is just mm-hmm. like beyond my imagination you know it's yeah well it's electron microscopes was the yeah well i mean with you know the the actual DNA breakthrough there's mm-hmm. some great stories about that uh, aren't really on point here but we could uh, go into them but the point mm-hmm. i'd like to bring this is all cloudlandia this is all mm-hmm. these are cloudlandia capabilities that have come mm-hmm into existence because the I was talking to Peter Diamandis about this and I said this clearly a lot of things that were predicted by a lot of people 10 years ago haven't happened okay they haven't happened to the degree that they're happening but they're not to the degree but I would say that the application of digital measurement to your body has gone way beyond what anyone was yeah. predicting uh, at the ability to, at the most minute level, the cellular level, of actually measuring and then having comparisons, you know, comparisons because these mm-hmm. are large model. These are large model. You know, when, when somebody says you are, you know, a certain age, like if you take Dana White and they said fifty three. And his prediction was for 63. What they were doing was measuring against millions and millions of other tests that they've done on other people. Right, uh, right. It used to take years to put the facts together, and now it takes minutes. Yeah. And it wasn't even possible years ago to put those things together. Yeah. No, I, (laughs) I mean... You know, I uh, <clears throat> my first doctor encounters were in the 1940s, so this is 80, mm-hmm. not not quite 80 years ago. And uh, the best you could hope for back then was that the doctor had a good bedside manner. Well, three out of four doctors prefer Chesterfield cigarettes. Actually, it was camels. <laughs> actually, it was camels. camels. <laughs> and it was it was actually seven out of those. Seven out of eight who of doctors, seven out of eight doctors who smoke prefer camel, camels. <laughs> this is not funny. I mean, it's really no. This is a great. This is a great ad campaign. I mean, we shouldn't be frivolous about this. This really sold a lot of camels. I'll tell you. I wonder what those things like. If we look forward, you know, fast forward forty years from now, what are we going to look at as you know, so stupid and obvious back in, you know, that we haven't been paying attention to. Well, uh, yeah. You know, I always say that a depressed utopian, a utopian who's depressed, are people mm-hmm. who get depressed by the absence of things that haven't been invented yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeez, there's so much oh. that hasn't been. I'm missing all these things. I said, what exactly are you missing? Well, I don't know, but I'm missing it. <laughs> I don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what I need. It's so funny. I just saw somebody in on Facebook, one of the, there's a local group called, you know, if you grew up in Georgetown, you remember, you may remember kind mm-hmm. of group. And it was putting these things and somebody showed 
you know, Georgetown cable was, you know, Halton cable was becoming available and they were offering, you know, service on, on the nine channels. For our listeners today, we're not talking about Georgetown in Washington. DC. Right, exactly. <laughs> we're talking about talking we're about talking about Georgetown, Georgetown, a lovely vale north and is it more west than north? Uh, I'm trying yes. to think of north yes, and west. More west. I know the GO train goes there. That's exactly right. It's the last outpost on the on the GO train. And that was yeah. the thing they were offering now service on channel two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven and thirteen. And I remember those days, like it was about, you know, 1970-something when we got our first color television and I got the mm-hmm. cable, you know, that was, mm-hmm. that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. What mm-hmm. a world. Yeah. <laughs> but just, well, but just had... back to the, but you brought up a subject right at the beginning of our talk here, mm-hmm. DNA. It's actually been the merger of artificial intelligence and DNA that's producing mm-hmm. all the amazing diagnostic tests because they can now do, mm-hmm. and what they do is they convert biological signals to digital signals, mm-hmm. okay? And now they can do 10,000 tests either on something that exists in the time that it would take to do one manual test 10 years ago. So 10,000 yeah. to one, that's... That qualifies as exponential in my world. I would world. say so. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. 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 But I'm banking on that, you know, and as you know from our conversations of a long time ago, that I was, Babs and I were on this path in the 90s, you know, in the 1990s. Yeah. So we're yeah. 30 years down the road now. But I knew yeah. you could tell, I mean, I read a lot, you know, the internet has been a great uh, tool for me of just letting my brain go wild on the internet and it finds this Mm -hmm. and kind of I find your brain kind of finds what you were looking for, but you didn't know you were looking for it. That's Mm -hmm. the way I explain it. Mm -hmm. Do you find that? I do. I had some experimenting this week, actually, based on our conversation last week that, you know, you mentioned you kind of let your brain just go and do what it wants. But let's just, I mean, almost like with an agreement that let's just, at the end of the day, let's get these three things done. And I don't care what you, yeah. what you do or when you do it, but let's just go ahead. And, let's get these three things but, done. But I, but I got a, I got, uh, I've been thinking about our conversation too. And I said, yeah. but it's finding it for some reason. And I think using AI language here, that somewhere in the past, you gave your brain a p- prompt just like uh-huh. you do with a chat GPT. You gave uh-huh. it a prompt that if you ever come if you ever come across something like this, alert me to this. You know, mm-hmm. so my sense is that you've been programming your brain to look for certain things since, you know, since the beginning. You've been prompting mm-hmm. your brain to look for certain things. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden it comes across something and you wake up and say, gee, that's neat. That's neat. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. But somewhere in the past, you gave some sort of prompts, I think, to tell your brain if you ever, yeah, you know, if you ever see something like this, just let me know right away because I'm interested in it. One of the things that I came across this week was in, you know, in relation to our conversation about melt, about money, energy, mm-hmm. labor, and transportation, all going in rising cost of those and. Mm-hmm. I, you know, been thinking about money, like access to money, and I'm, I'm seeing there's more and more versions of intelligent money coming, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being the thing of empowering creators in a way. So I looked at, I found out about a, a company called Indify, which is taking a venture capital kind of approach to creators, musicians, particularly independent artists who are, you know, making music and they're partnering with them for, you know, 50% ownership of whatever comes out of what they're, they're producing. And it's really, 
you know, they may not produce, like compared to the music label industry, the model where they would, you know, sign an artist and do a full album and of those things. These are really. But those were already existing. That was already existing yeah. music. Yes, yeah. Here exactly. they're. Here they're doing music, musician futures. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And that's a really interesting model. Like typically they're, you know, with a particular, like a song, for instance, they may invest $30,000 to produce a single song Mm -hmm. with an artist, but they're showing that the, you know, the typical return on even like doesn't have to be they're not talking about hits but things that they showed investments of their typical investment of thirty thousand dollars has returned a hundred and ten thousand dollars so far per one of those that they've done yeah and they started in 2020 you know so over that period of time they've kind of tripled their investments and I thought partner, you know, that that level of, you know, uh, in in the entrepreneurial world, I don't know whether that's that, you know, the rising cost or, you know, corollary to that, the diminishing supply of yeah. capital. I don't know whether there's different rules for Flavlandia and creative things as opposed to, you know, large well, scale physical capital, you know, capital intensive thing, physical world. Yeah. My sense of that is that the smart investors, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the mainland or whether it's in Cloudlandia, Mm -hmm. are the same person. They're the same. And my feeling is that the smartest investors invest on people. They don't invest on things. They don't really invest on things. And so my sense is that the the example you just gave, this person has proven in the past that they're actually creative, and they mm-hmm. always seem to be coming up. They always seem to be coming up with new things, and uh, some of them have monetized, and some of them haven't monetized. So that's the guess, and that's yeah. the bet. You know, in other words, I'm guessing that you're going to you already come up with something in the past. That turned mm-hmm. out to be money making, and yeah. I'm betting. I'm just going to bet on you as a creator that you're going to come up with some good stuff that properly captured, properly packaged, and properly distributed is going to be money making. Yeah, Would you say? You think I I agree. Well, I mean, do you think yeah, we're kind of heading but, back to the patron days? In, oh yeah, yeah. In a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, entrepreneurs are, you and I, and all the folks that we hang out with, are we're self-patrons. Yes. The difference between an entrepreneur and a non-entrepreneur is an individual who's betting on himself as the mm-hmm. future. Well, you did that a long time ago, and, you know, and I did it a long time ago, and, and so... That's why I'm not taken by things. You know, I'm not really taken by things, Um, you know, betting on things. Like I'm talking about a Mm -hmm. product or a technology. I'm I'm not betting on that. I'm betting on the thing possibly being a tool that some really smart human is going to maximize, going to, you know, it's going to do something. And I was thinking about that with Elon Musk because there's no reason for his valuations related to Tesla. You know, if you took the normal valuations of a car company, the number of cars you got, the distribution system you got, his, the Tesla doesn't make sense. The valuation that he has for Tesla makes no sense whatsoever by historic automobile standards. Right. And somebody was saying that, you know, this is, you know, this is, you know, this is a scam. I said, you're missing the point here. They're not (laughs) betting on the Tesla car. They're betting on Elon Musk coming up with always new things. That is true. And he, yeah, he's, yeah, he's come up with quite a few. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I think Steve Jobs, 
Steve Jobs was on that track, but he died. He, you know, he died. Mm -hmm. I mean, because really, if you take a look at Apple's extraordinary, it's stuff that all goes back to Steve Jobs. Yes. And, uh, and uh, I mean, not a big thing since, not a really big thing since 2008. Right. Since the iPhone, right? I mean, that's really. Since the iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. That decade of, you know, 90, 2008, that's really, that's where everything happened. Because if you yeah. think about it, you know, we talked about it in our analysis of the last 28 years that none of it, you know, Apple was close to bankruptcy, that they were in trouble 28 years ago. From, he had to borrow from Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of. That's pretty amazing, right? When you think about that, everything that's turned around since then, and thinking about even Jeff Bezos, who you know, who knew? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and uh, so, so the the thing about betting, but I always bet on people. You know, my whole approach is yeah. that this is a person, you know, who proven track record, and part of it is that. They not do what they're doing. You know, one of my thoughts yeah. is that I look at somebody who cannot do the thing that seems to be most valuable, and and so I don't have to worry what they're doing when I don't see them. Right. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's so what's he great. doing? I, what's what's he doing today? <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what he's doing today. <laughs> he's doing what I bet on. <laughs> he's yeah, doing what that's... I bet on him doing. You know, and uh, you know, so so it's a very interesting thing. So, but I think I was going back because we had this conversation. I said, you know, if I go back because I've really been an entrepreneur since really the beginning of the microchip age in the 70s. Mm -hmm. They started using the word microchip, I think, early 70s, but I read about it in 73, and I started my company in 74, 1974, so 50 years next year. And mm -hmm. I would say that the microchip itself is one of the real uh, breakthroughs, and yeah. then the ability for there to be such thing as a personal computer, which came up, you know, within the first mm -hmm. 10 years of the microchip. Mm -hmm. And then graphic user interface, which made the personal computer available to everybody. Okay. And then the internet, the uh, probably software somewhere in there, the whole notion of software, yeah. that it didn't have to be hardwired. Usefulness of the computer did not have to be hardwired. It could just be a program. And then I would say the internet and then the iPhone and now artificial intelligence. Yeah, artificial intelligence. That I think what's happening there is nobody could really have predicted. I mean, it, maybe people who knew were predicting, but I don't think people really had a sense of what was really possible with this. No. Until now. And I think yeah. as a species right now, we're clueless about where yeah. this is going. I said, you know, I said, you can say anything you want about where it's going and probably you'll be right. But that, but there's going to be a million other things happening too that nobody could have predicted. Yeah. I mean, it's so really, uh, I mean, what, where are you um, uh, crossing into this world? I mean, what are you doing? We have three or four projects. We have three or four projects going that I'm yeah. involved in the company. Yeah. And uh, so uh, where are you? I'm at the uh, experimenting. I'm where are you experimenting? Yeah, I'm experimenting in the personal side, like my personal experience with it. We're not using it as it's not integrated in any way into my company that you're you know mm -hmm. our stuff yet but i can see mm -hmm. that it could be i mean i looked at you know one of the things that we do we have a subscription for we have two different versions one for realtors one for financial advisors of a postcard newsletter called the world's most interesting postcard and it's mm -hmm. essentially a carrier for referral programming 
that you as a realtor or a financial advisor would send to your top 150 relationships so that you are programming them to notice conversations about real estate, to think about you and to introduce you to the person that they had the conversation with. And it's been, you know, a phenomenal game changer for the amount of referrals that people get measured as a, you know, return on relationship, the percentage of repeat and referral business you get from your top Mm -hmm. 150 relationships. And so I have Mm -hmm. had four years, we've been doing it for 12 years now, a monthly postcard where we have someone research and put together, there might be 16, you know, just short, interesting facts that you put on the front of the, the postcard. And it's got a nice design. And so it's easy to read. It's kind of just like, you know, interesting things. And the I started thinking about, well, if I did, what if I did one specifically for for financial advisors that all the facts and stuff are money related? And I, I just asked Chat GPT one day, I said, can you write to, you know, 10 short, interesting facts about the history of money? And it started, you know, writing the things. And then I asked it to, you know, make it a little more interesting things. And it, you know, put it out. I said, can you give me 20 more? And it was like, boom, all sure. interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I said, yeah. And you're, like, you're, you're designing though, as you go along, yeah. there's probably an interactive thing going on between. Yeah. Right. I'm that just directing. AI. You know, yeah, there's two AIs. Uh, AI breakthroughs uh, consist of two AIs. You know, mm-hmm. the first AI is artificial intelligence. The second one is called actual intelligence. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I'm bringing the actual <laughs> intelligence to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I said, it was so funny, Dan, because I said to it, well, these are great. How many do you think you could? And it said... <laughs> Well, I could make an infinite number of these. How many would you like? And it was just so funny that I ended up with like 50 of these, you know, and just instantly done. And uh, I thought, you know, that's a really interesting thing. Again, those are, you know, it's content related. I came, I had this idea of, you know, I think there are 400 and something cognitive biases that are uh, and i just started how, I how said, many how many of you mastered it <laughs> right exactly and i thought you know it's an interesting thing i said can you make a three minute video script describing confirmation bias the facts about what it is and how it might be uh, how it might be deployed or come into play and how to defend against it. And it wrote this amazing, like just bloop, bloop, uh, you know, intro this, then scene of this, and then this, and narrator says that there's the script, you know, and it was just, I mean, when you look at the putting together of the different things. I saw this, I saw someone do a demonstration of, you know, having it write some, it was writing ads, video ads for something. And it, they had gone to one of the, gone to 11 labs, I think is a place where you Mm -hmm. can train your voice. Mm -hmm. So it's got Mm -hmm. your voice AI. And then it went to another place that had your digital, you know, avatar, you know, from video of you. And then it combined this AI written script with your voice through your face on uh, your avatar on video. And it's instantly translated into any language where your mouth moves and your mouth is saying the words in 
Japanese or German or French mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, mm-hmm. man, it's just such a, like you can see that's a, you know, the distribution of content mm-hmm. like that, you know, mm-hmm. is amazing. But then mm-hmm. it's still, so that's everything I've seen has been content related, you know, kind of, of yeah. creation and uh, as a multiplier for content creation. But then the mm-hmm. bigger, you know, we've had the conversation that the bigger, uh, you know, picture of that is that our brains, we, we still can't consume at any more than the speed of reality, which is 60 mm-hmm. minutes per hour, yeah. right? It takes us. Well, and the other thing is that our. Yeah. And the other thing is that we can only think about one thing at a time. You know, I mean, we can't think yeah. two things at same time humans just can't do this and uh, you know and as you say it's reality world time-based yeah you know and really successful people have learned firsthand just what can get be get, gotten done in mm-hmm. an hour a day and and then also it's developed a sense of discernment about yeah. just what's worth having your mind on for an hour for a whole day. And, you know, and that, you know, and I've dropped, I'm noticing I'm shutting all sorts of things. As I approach 80, um, just, I drop television. I'm in my sixth year now of dropping television. And, and people say, but you're a big sports fan. And I said, oh, I've got a trick. I said, I wait till the game's, I, I've got, I wait till the game is over. I'll use Cleveland Browns as an example. And I just check, I check the score, you know, the scores are in now. It's beyond game time. Did they win or lose? Well, if right. they lost, I'm not interested. If they won, then they have a 10 minute video of the highlights and that's my game. You know, uh, uh, and yeah. I, I know they've won. And then I just get a chance to see how they won. Okay, if they lose, yeah. I don't watch it because I because that doesn't do me any good. Right. Right. Doesn't do me any. I'm already disappointed they lost. Why would I pile on? <laughs> and uh, people have said, "Yeah, but you're missing all the excitement of the game." And I, and I said, "I said yes, purposely mm. missing." All. I said, "I want to be excited about other things. I don't want to be excited about you know people who are one third of my age." I, you know, Either coming through for me or, or, or not coming through for me. I want to see the yeah. final result. I've been contemplating, Dan, because I, I find that embarrassingly much of my time is screen sucking, you know, as our friend Ned Hollowell <laughs> would say. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of screen sucking. And I would count television and YouTube and TikTok and Facebook and anytime my eyeballs are sucking dopamine in through my screen as that Mm -hmm. time. And I've been experimenting with, you know, disconnecting from the the dopamine device, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this morning was one of those times I'm trying to get to a point where I can get as far into my day without having any, you know, digital input. And I I think Mm -hmm. that there's a real case that I could go, you know, all the way till noon with no contact with the Mm -hmm. outside world. And that I think would be a better thing for me, but it's amazing how your body, like I went over to the cafe this morning to get some, get a coffee and just sit outside and you know i didn't take my phone i I woke up i still wake up in the you know the first thing you know i checked my phone or whatever i left it here and i went to the the cafe and it's amazing how your brain is like saying you know wait a second what if anything what if you what if you break down what what if you're what if if you get an accident or you need to call somebody or what what about that and then i realized i don't know a single person's phone number i don't know a single phone number except my office you know and that there's nobody Mm -hmm. there but that's it's very funny to me that's where your mind goes and then i had that i took real money 
because normally I use my Apple Pay on my phone to pay for it. And <laughs> so I had real paper money with me. And it was just it was so interesting to sit at the cafe and just watch everybody, you know, all you know, even together screen sucking the whole time. And I've been experimenting yeah. to see like how much can I disconnect from that in a proactive way right like well it's interesting I, I, it's interesting because in the you're you're applying the concept of intermittent fasting yeah uh, exactly to right. that you're going to you know i'm going to spend three hours or four hours where i yeah. fast you know yeah because your brain will find something to do if you're not right. doing that yes Autophagy. <laughs> Start fixing all those. I mean, the, uh, I, mean <laughs> I remember this is something interesting. I was really going as far as like, how far down can I go with this, right? Like, what would I truly be missing? As I do, I use my phone all the time for everything. I mean, texting, email, ordering food, you know, mm -hmm. all of the stuff, entertainment, talking. And I was, I remember there was a show about the royalty. I think it was called The Crown. And, or maybe it was a movie about the queen. But I mm -hmm. remember I, this was struck me as very, like, very interesting is that every day at a certain time, 5 p.m., maybe, or noon or sometime, they would bring the queen a red box. And in the red oh, yeah. box was everything that she needed for the day, everything that needed her attention kind mm -hmm. of thing. And mm -hmm. I thought, how neat would that be? What would be interesting if I could, at 5 p.m. every day, get a box that has everything <coughs> that I need, like any emails that have come in, mm -hmm. any texts mm -hmm. that have come in, any, you know, articles of interest that would be, you know, something that I would need. And I've wondered about that, that getting rid of, like, you know, I check on that Drudge Report and, I'll, you know, I, the news, like seeing different things that are going on in the world. And I, I thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if I went to, like, you know, paper subscriptions right. to Newsweek, Time Magazine, <laughs> and the wall street journal as the my well they're connection uh, to the way outside I've, world. I've gone beyond that because i used to get five okay. papers a day i yeah. got mm -hmm. two two toronto papers i got the i got the wall street journal i got new york times and national post well national post was globe and the post were the two yeah. toronto papers and then the wall street journal and the new york times and the fifth mm -hmm. one was business Business invest investors business business daily. daily. Yeah, right. Yeah, investors business daily, and um, but I began to realize that I all those papers. The only thing I was really interested in was the opinion section. Okay, mm -hmm. where the people wrote oversight articles. In other words, mm -hmm. they were looking at a, something and they were writing that. And then <clears throat> you know politics. I began to notice that in the Newspaper world, they were making most of their money after a while on subscriptions because the advertising dollars were being taken away by Facebook and Google. And yeah, and they had to go to digital versions on a subscription basis. And what that did is that it polarized the media in the sense that, for example, the Wall Street Journal. I would say 80 to 90% of its subscription probably is center or center right on the political spectrum. They're center right. Mm -hmm. And the New York Times is barely center, mostly to the left. And I noticed that the Globe and Mail is now center to the left. And the Globe and Mail or the Post is still somewhat into the right, mm -hmm. into the right. And Investors mm -hmm. Business Daily only has opinions on Saturday. You know, they mm -hmm. only have a real commentary section, so. Yes, okay. 
So what I began looking for, I said, well, it's still hit or miss because there may be some good stuff or not good stuff. So I went to this aggregator, which is called mm-hmm. Real Clear comes out of Chicago, and all they mm-hmm. do is aggregate article headings, and they're almost all they're they're all commentary. Okay, yeah. so every morning and six days a week, they do an update at three o'clock in the afternoon. So you get up in the morning, and they have that. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, they have an update. They don't do this on Saturday. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's one day when they don't do it. Right. But mm-hmm. then they have all sorts of real clear. They have real clear politics. They have real clear policy. They have real clear market, real clear world, mm-hmm. real clear defense, real clear energy, real clear health, real clear oh, well. science. And those are more, they're picking up periodicals rather than daily. Yes. And so I just get up in the morning and I look and I click on three or four of them and they come for New York Times is lucky if they get one in every day. Some of them have paywalls so that when you go to their thing, they're saying, well, you can read the article if you pay for a subscription and that counts them out. You know, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to sign up for a subscription to get one article. So, right. So, yeah. And uh, so, so anyway, so that's what I've done. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm down now to Babs gets the post because she likes knowing Toronto things, but I don't even bother looking at the, for the last two or three weeks, they've had great articles. It's mainly how our prime minister is going down the drain, which I always find uh, comforting reading. And, and and then the Israeli the Israeli Hamas situation mm-hmm. and that's been a great clarifier. Boy, you really find out where people stand with this particular issue. That's been a really great clarifier. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but that's how I handle it. Uh, I handle it. That's my, sort of my red box. Real clear is my red box. Right. That's interesting. Do you know what they, do you know what they call that, the thing that the queen gets? I don't know what they call it. They call it the red box. Okay, that's what I thought. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> you know that red you know that red box she gets every day? You don't. You know what they you call it? They, they call it the red box. <laughs> that is so funny. But I thought about experimenting with that, getting a red box. And the government has to prepare that for her. The prime minister's office has to prepare that for her. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because they're both in town once a week. The prime minister has to come to the palace and, you know, and deliver in person, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the crucial issues. This is not recorded. No one ever knows. Right. A weekly Uh, uh, audience with the queen. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and the king now, I guess. Yeah, I guess the king. Should we send the red box to the king? Kind of yeah. hard to say. It's kind of hard to say. You know, it's uh-huh. kind of hard to say king. How, how do you say king? You know, because yeah. she was in for seven seven years or so. Yeah. And, and, yeah. There was a great play actually. It was called The Interview. And I saw it, mm-hmm. and I saw it on, in London, right around the corner from the hotel. And mm-hmm. Helen Mirren was the queen. Helen Mirren was the queen. And that what they did is all the prime ministers that she's had, starting with Winston Churchill, right up until last year, I guess, there, there were a whole bunch of prime ministers over the last two or three years. So anyway, but the, she they just talked about, this is all made up because nobody really knows what's said, but they just used topical issues of the time. And, you know, and whether she got along with the prime ministers or not or and everything else. And it was very just a really terrific, really terrific play. I saw Napoleon on Thanksgiving Day. What'd you think? What'd you think? I didn't like it. Did you see it? I haven't. It was, uh, as we like to say, Dan, there was a lot of middle in that movie. It was all middle. (laughs) Joined in progress and just never left the middle. There were only two scenes <laughs> that were repeated six times. There was the drama in the palace, and then there was battle scenes with horses and bayonets and cannons, and on and on. The same battle scenes again and again, and then back to the palace. And it was really 
I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. I didn't have no, it was my shortest movie review ever. I just looked at the camera. I shook my head and said, nope. And then I hashtagged it. Nope. Olean. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, but I have no real historical knowledge of, you know, of Napoleon, but I did, you know, the most interesting thing was at the end, they did a summary of all the people that were lost in battles, like 6 million people in his period of being the king lost in, in battle. That was, that's crazy. You know, 6 million seemed like. That seemed like a lot. Well, uh, well, he must have used uh, all of them up because his final battle was 1815. That's when Waterloo was, you know, the yeah. final battle. And then there was not a major European war until the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the First World War. So it was 99 years. So wow. he, he must have used, he must have used everybody up because it took a whole century to stock up again. Had <laughs> to re, restock exactly. Yeah, and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of American history, American history, really. You know, from the British fighting the French. You know, that's really where the American thing starts. It's I don't know what they call it. Uh, you know, they call it the Seven Years' War here in Canada, but in mm-hmm. the United States, it was called the French and Indian War. You know, mm-hmm. and this was eighteen seventeen fifty two seventeen sixty three seven years. But this is where all the American colonists got their military training, which they then used to good result of fighting the British. Oh wow! In seventeen seventeen seventy. So George Washington was an American born, you know, they were all British. I mean, they were all British. Yeah. All the colonists were British. And and anyway, but that takes you right up until I think Napoleon comes in around 1793 and he was in for 22 years, but he totally changed Europe. I mean, the, he was like a major earthquake that went right across the continent and that, that really changed things, you know. Hitler, yeah. Hitler was great. Hitler was a great admirer of Napoleon. Yeah, and is that uh, right? He made and he made the same mistake. <laughs> he invaded mm. Russia. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. So I'm gonna save you from from that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a it's not a topic that I'm really interested in. You know, right. Yeah, I've never. Heard I just you don't. Talk I, about Napoleon. No, no. I just yeah. But he. He not only was a significant military person, he was a very significant politician because that's where we get the metric metric system is from Napoleon. Is that and, right? Uh, and, yeah. And they didn't have any standard measurements in Europe. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the British had their own, but, they, you know, the British is kind of an organic thing that's developed over time, feet, in, inches, feet, yards, and everything. Stones. And the light. Yeah. And it's delightfully idiosyncratic as eccentric, you know, eccentric. Mm-hmm. The, the British are eccentric, you know, and he wanted yeah. this 100, everything is, you know, and it took all the fun out of it, took all the fun out of measurement. Right. Imagine yeah. Amer- American baseball and metric, you know, American I mean, football and metric. Yeah. That's uh, well, even the Canadian Football League uses yards and feet and you know, everything yeah. like that. You know, uh-huh. all the funny, yeah, track and field they don't because that's a more of a European the thing. world, yeah, yeah, the world stage. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's really interesting, but I'd like to pick up a little bit more on this uh, couple themes that we've developed over the last a few talks, and one, one of them, uh, and uh, what I think is that every human being is a confirmation bias. Okay, say more about that. Well, you're biased according to the experience that's proved useful or not useful. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. So you've used a term, you know, to grade movies that are not worth seeing, a lot of the middle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so <laughs> there, there was a lot of. I don't remember if there was. A, I don't remember if there was 
a beginning end or an ending end. You know, it's just battle. <laughs> right. It's just battles and battles, battles and battles, battles and right. and palace. Yeah, but uh, that, I think that really thing because I think that it's impossible for human beings not to have a bias. Yeah, I think that's what absolutely. I do. Do think mm-hmm. as the smarter human beings know what their biases are and actually right. choose them. Yeah, they actually choose them. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, it just strikes me that this whole notion of neutrality, that you can be unbiased, is, I I think it's just silly. How could you possibly be unbiased? I mean, that's right. In the world, you you wouldn't survive. Yeah. Yeah. In the words of Milton Friedman to Phil Donahue, where do you propose we find these angels to organize society without regards Mm -hmm. to personal interest or bias? I don't even trust you to do that, Phil. I've watched that about I've watched that about ten times. That, yeah. That's such a great thing. Because you can just see that Phil Donahue just has this sort of fluffy, waffly form of logic, you know, all basically emotion based, you know, emotion based, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean he didn't have our prospective new prime minister here is getting a lot of when you finish here, go on Google and say Pierre Polyev. You know, you know how to spell it, don't you? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Takes down reporter. Just he just took down a reporter, and it was one of the most masterful takedowns of reporter ever. Yeah. And he did it while chewing an apple. Oh, I love it. Okay. So he's being interviewed, and he's and the person says, "Well, you know." You know, you're taking a very ideological approach. He says, ideological, what's that? What's ideological? And the reporter says, well, you know, it's more emotion-based. And he says, name a name an example there, name an example. Well, you know, and it gets around that he's reproducing Donald Trump. And, you know, that's the ultimate killer. <laughs> that's the kill shot. You know, you call somebody Donald Trump. And he says, Is that right? No. Uh, and he says, well, a lot of the experts, and he says, experts, name one expert. And, he, mm-hmm. and the, the reporter did not have a specific piece of information. It was all this fluffy narrative. And uh, you could just see the guy was flailing. And meanwhile, Pierre Polyev is just eating his apple. And he says, uh, do you have an actual point to this interview? Is there somewhere you're trying to get this interview? And the guy, you could just see, the guy, you, know, they, you know, they didn't show, show him in full, but I bet, you know, there was a puddle under his feet when he was finished. You know? <laughs> That's so funny, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And he's just learned how to deal with this whole issue that they try to catch you on their words. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he said, I don't even know. He said, I don't even know what that word means. I mean, do you know what that word is? You just used a word. Mm. I, I don't know what that word is. And he says, well, you know, you're doing left versus right. And he says, name a time when I've actually said that. I've never said left versus right. I don't believe in left versus right. So I believe in common sense, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of for the side that has common sense. So. Yeah, you know, yeah. We haven't had any. You just aren't used to it because we haven't had any common sense for the last eight years. So it's <laughs> not used to dealing with. <laughs> so anyway, and he's I think he's a phenomenal debater, you know, because he's been in he's 44 years old and he's been in Parliament for 19 years. You know, he's been there since he was 25. And, uh, wow. And yeah. So but it's really interesting to watch it. You know, I mean. And I'm very biased towards his side of the political spectrum. <laughs> you have a cognitive bias around him? Is that what you're saying? I have a total, I have a total cognitive bias. <laughs> That's funny. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, fascinating where this is going. But I think this AI thing is a, which, what should I call it here? I think it's a catalyst for a real mind change and how we think about everything. I think that interacting interacting with this technology is actually introducing us to how we actually think about things. I think you're right. Because you have to bring that to it. Yeah. So you are, you're off to Phoenix. Yeah. We fly out on Tuesday and then we're there till Saturday morning. I, I, we're there until Sunday morning. 
because I can't okay. take more than two days of sitting in a room. And mm-hmm. so we're off to Chicago, and then we have a Chicago week. We have I just have one workshop. I have the free zone on Thursday. Yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, yeah. It's been a good year. It's been actually, it's been a very sailing kind of year. I haven't had any real time crunches or anything else. It's been a great year. Right. That's awesome. And so then we're back. Are you? And uh, yeah. And uh, so June twelfth, uh, June eighteenth is our first free zone in Toronto. Oh, you've set the date already. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, and uh, I'll just forward Tammy, who is the wizard mastermind of scheduling here, Tammy Colville, and uh-huh. I'll just send you, I'll just forward her announcement that just came through two days ago. So I'll just okay, uh, yeah, and we're Perfect. doing it in June. I mean, isn't that nice? Starting it off in June. I love that. I love that. I do miss Toronto. Yeah. I, I think it. Toronto misses you. I think Toronto misses you. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love it. Yeah, there's no well, more good. table 10 anywhere. I haven't found a table 10 anywhere. <laughs> We're going to need a new we'll need a new venue. Oh, well, we we'll go to, to the old venue. We'll go. To, I mean, Les Select is still there, and they're still good. So we'll go Okay, there. good. Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay, Dan. Have a great trip. Two weeks, we'll be back. I'm sorry? Two weeks. Two, two yeah. weeks. Okay, two perfect. Weeks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll talk to you then. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye.